What's happening, everyone? Another episode of Just Another Sports Podcast. Greg Swatek, Josh Smith, back from vacation. Yes. And Joe Ferraro uh, in again with us this week. Welcome, all. And, well, thank uh, you. Yeah, and uh, th- this time, 25 years ago, f- fellas, uh, we were talking about a baseball strike. <laughs> I know. Uh, a-, a crippling baseball strike, and, and there's been a lot of talk about that this week uh, just because one there's not a lot of other stuff going on and uh two it was a really momentous uh, time in 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 the sport um uh people worried about the future of the sport uh after after this baseball strike happened and uh, and uh, josh you and i were talking and we thought it might be good to just reflect upon those times on this week's episode and just what it did to baseball <laughs> yeah it seems like forever ago i mean i can remember how meaningful it was to me i'm sure we were all right around the same age i guess back then in 1994 uh i, I was right smack in the middle of high school and was a huge baseball fan so this idea of them uh not holding a world series was like devastating to me and i was i don't know if you guys were the same but i don't know that I even like grasp what the real problem was or I, I didn't really understand why this was even happening. And so I've done some reading about it this week. Well, money, money was the problem. Yeah, probably. I mean, it was, it was obviously about money. It was obviously about like the owners trying to institute a salary cap. Right. And, you know, we, you see that never happened and it will never happen as we see salaries just skyrocketing and, you know, and there's no end in sight to how much money these guys are going to end up making um, over the next – 50 some 50 well, years and, or whatever. And part of it too is that the baseball union is incredibly yeah. strong the, the, the yeah. players union is incredibly strong the, the strongest in in all of sports really and and they just uh just don't cave in uh, in, in in these situations and 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 it's, they're still incredibly strong and then that's it's just the strength of the baseball union had a big yeah. influence on and why this strike happened so yeah, there was a lot. Of, there's been a lot of stuff. Have you guys read a lot about it this week? There's been a lot of anniversary stories um, to, by different publications. I know. I, I think I sent a, a Yahoo story to to you, Greg. Um, yeah. That sort of uh, went through. It, I think it largely focused on like the last day of the season and all of these different places and just different things that were happening amongst the the teams. And uh, it was pretty eye opening. I, I I don't remember a lot of that stuff because I wasn't. You know, all I got was a newspaper, you know, a local newspaper every morning, and I, I, I wasn't able to read and hear about all the things that were happening around the country back then. So it was pretty eye-opening. Joe, have you read anything this week? I I have not, but just looking back on it, I mean, geez, uh, you know, when we were kids, uh, you know, hey Joe, summertime. Pull, pull that mic up a little bit. Sorry to summer, sorry to sum, Summertime is, uh, is a time where you go out and play ball and, and yeah. watch a lot uh, a lot of baseball and so and so to to not have uh baseball around it, it was utterly depressing uh for for me uh not be not being able to watch uh to watch games uh, so uh yeah and and as far as the impact uh boy across the board uh, i think the 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 washington nationals uh <laughs> and their fans they they could thank uh Major League Baseball for going through that strike as far as get, getting um, a franchise uh, here, here in the Washington area. Yeah, yeah. there have been documentaries done on that, like what would have happened mm-hmm. if, if, if the Expos had been allowed to 
finish that season because they were on pace for for winning the most games in major league history i think i think they were on pace for like for like a 120 something win season and it and it all got the rug got swept uh, from under them uh, just because of this labor dispute yeah if if you look at the teams that have won the world series over the past three or four years all of them have had a very young core of players and that expos team had a similar you know makeup you know young Larry Walker and Moises Alou and Marquise Grissom, uh, Pedro, Pedro Martinez, you know, on his way to becoming the, the dominant pitcher he was. And then a couple of other underrated guys, Ken Hill and Jeff Facero, were having, you know, career years or uh, very good years. And so so they, they, they would have, uh, I, I think, at least made the World Series if not won it. Yeah, there was a lot, lot going on that season, man, and there was that was what was so heartbreaking about it was there were so many cool things happening and just so many stars that were shining um, in that season. It was like almost like a season for the ages, or was shaping up to be, and then it all went kaput. And you know, the biggest, the most crushing part of it all to me, and I'm wearing my my Tony Gwynn jersey because I, I knew we were going to be talking about this today. It, I, that was like right at the height of my Tony Gwynn fandom. Like he's still my all-time favorite player. And that was the year, man. He was going to do it. It was like every day he was getting two to two or three hits. He was hitting three. I think he entered entered the last day of what ended up being the last day of the season, hitting 391. And he had a couple of hits that day. He got his average up to 394. There were, what, 50 couple of games left in the season. Yeah, he could have hit 400. He was on fire that year. And this, I guess the story that I you know, sent to you from Yahoo um, – I, I, sh- I should credit the, the gentleman who wrote it. I'll have to go back and look it up before the end of the podcast. But it talks a lot about that that storyline. It was really interesting to me because he one crazy factoid about that season for him, he used this t- dinky little bat. That bat, he used it the entire season. It never broke. He used the same bat all season long. Um, and he was just, you know, he, he thought he could do it. And he was quoted in the story from, you know, he's, he's since passed away, but he was quoted from um, years ago about how, you know, he would have loved to have that shot. And he really thought he had the mental makeup and the ability to hit 400 that year. But he was like, I'm totally fine with what we did because we had to do it. We had to pave the way for the future. There were guys who sacrificed for us in the past, you know, to get things that we wanted. And it was just our job. Like that's that's just what we had to do. And I thought that was a that was a refreshing or sort of an interesting take. He was a great guy. But um And and I think the thing that the owners and the players didn't anticipate was how long it was gonna yeah. take the game to recover. Yeah. Once they finally came to a, a collective bargaining agreement there. Because it really took the better part of four years in the Maguire Sosa home run chase for, for, for people to really come back to the game in, in, in big numbers. Well, so, people said, I guess Cal, Cal helped the next year, right, with his streak. Right. And I remember that. But you're right. It wasn't until 98 that people really got, got excited about baseball again. I'm not sure how much this was discussed in the Yahoo story you brought up or, or some of the other stories. And, you know, everybody's going to, you know, talk about the steroids era. And sure. you, you alluded to the McGuire and Sosa, you know, chase to break Roger Maris's record. But in terms of bringing baseball back, I think uh, you know a lot of credit goes through to the uh, 1993 San Francisco Giants, who who had a, a big lead in that NL West, and then all of a sudden here come the Braves. They pick up Fred McGriff, and they overtake uh, the Giants by one game. And then uh, you, you've got 104 wins for for the Braves and 103 for the Giants, and that 
really helped uh, you know bring on the discussion about having uh, a wild card team. Mm-hmm. And so for 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 the Giants to to lose out on that, win 103 games and then sit at home, I, I think the wild card, you know, bringing in you know one card and one wild card and eventually two, you know, really has uh, you know helped uh, you know bring baseball oh, back. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. because. You know, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, how how the popularity would have dipped. Uh, even now, I mean, a lot of the division races are are over. You know, there are some, but, you know, the wild card just, just really just um, keeps the interest going uh, across, uh, you know, so many so many cities across the country. Yeah, the, the season's too long. Like, if you only have the four division winners or – because there were basically four divisions at the time like so many cities are out of it <laughs> yeah but by the end of may and then you have all of june july august and september to go and then your team's out of it so i i, I think they had to do it uh, joe I, I don't you don't strike me you, you're obviously a big baseball fan but you don't strike me as a big baseball purist how did how did you feel about the wild card uh, uh, initially <laughs> you know um i uh, uh, i can't really recall but you know right now uh, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, uh, I don't know if we had we should have any more teams. I mean, uh, m- maybe the only thing they they should do is maybe instead of having a wild card game is is to have a best two of three, uh, you know, wild card to determine that spot. Uh, I know a lot of uh, you know others may not like that because you've got the other people, the other teams waiting in the wings who, who are going to get rusty, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, that, that's something I wouldn't mind. Uh, do you want the DH in the National League? No, I, I'm a, I, I'm a purist when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, I uh, the, 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 there's so much strategy when you when you have the NL game. You know, you know, pitching pitching around the pitcher. You know, substitutions and whatnot. You know, moving uh, pitching, uh, moving batting spots around in the in the order. Uh, I I like it. I sort of think that's that's going to end. It, it I just probably think with, with Manfred and his. He's sort of a progressive guy. Um, the way that the game is gone with home runs, like that's what the game is about now. If you add that DH in the NL, there's going to be even more home runs hit. I, I just think that's where it's going, and it's probably only a matter of time. And I, but I'm with you. Like I'm not like a strict purist, but mm-hmm. that's what I like about it. It's exactly what you talked about. Um, and I don't sit down and watch a lot of National League games, but when I do watch them or when I'm watching playoff games and stuff, like that's what I love about it. I love the strategy. I love the – um, you know what it forces managers to have to do, and I, I just yep. like seeing bat, pitchers have to bat sometimes. You know, it's sort of interesting. Well, the interesting thing about it is, I think baseball realizes now there's too many home runs. So yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're coming to. Uh, they, they've I, insane. I, I mean, they've doctored this ball. I mean, allegedly doctored this ball um, to to reduce the drag and create more home runs. But now I think they realize they've overdone it uh, because the Orioles have already smashed. The, they've already given up more home runs than any 250, team. 250. Yeah, yeah. They've already broke the record for most home runs allowed in a season, and it's August yeah. 14th as we record this. So there's another month and a half to go. And fortunately, they're done playing the Yankees, so the Yankees can't hit <laughs> 50 more home runs. That's Dylan Bundy just said today. Right. Um, I but, guess it's a good thing. That's what but, he said. Yeah, I think they're sort of at a tipping point with these home runs where they there's there's too many. I mean, it, it, it's, it's reducing the impact, and, and, and it's um, – with the fans, it, 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 it's almost it, like you're numb to it now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's the phrase I was well, searching for. It's like numbing it. the fans to the experience. You let's, know what? I read a story, uh, a Cubs story, and Joe Madden. It, it uh, kind of 
uh, stuck with me. He said, you know, when, you know, the ball is going to be dead. And, you know, the fact that he said it that way leads me to believe that they're, they're going to change this. Uh, so right. yeah. well, it's, it's going to happen. They're, they're going to change it back. Cause I, think right. they, I think they tweaked. I think they, whatever Rob Manfred says, we've gone over this a million times here, but they, they tweaked the ball to, to create more home runs, and now they've overdone it. So now they're going to deaden the ball, and there will be less next year. Well, let's year. let's take it back to 94 here, and we'll talk about what was happening that year with home runs. And that was a, that was a great – there was going to be a great challenge. Uh, Roger Maris's record was potentially going to get broken by none other than Matt Williams, who went on to manage the Washington Nationals. Uh, and he had 43 uh, with 52 games to play in 1994. But not only that, a young Ken Griffey Jr. had 40 and was was warming up. Um, so and they, you know that's plenty of time for those guys. That, yeah, you know, that could have been that could have changed the whole narrative for um, McGuire and for Sosa. McGuire and Sosa. I mean, who knows how many Matt Williams could have ended up hitting? Um, I'm reading in this in this article now. I have it in front of me. It was written by um, Yahoo's Kevin Kaduk, K-A-D-U-K. If you guys want to look it up. Um, so then you also had a, a triple crown. There were a couple of triple crown threats. Um, uh, let's see. It was Frank Thomas and Albert Bell were both chasing the triple crown in the AL. Uh, Chuck Knobloch, to, to bring a name out of the past. I can't. I didn't remember this. He had 45 doubles, and he had a chance to break the record of 67, which still stands, um, set in 1931 by Earl Webb. And then obviously he goes. The story goes on to talk greatly about uh, about Tony Gwynn's chase um, for four hundred. But do you think he would have done it, Tony? Yeah. Um, I think. Man. I, bet, I bet he would. I bet he would have come really close. Yeah, he he would ended at like three ninety eight well, or three ninety seven. Okay. Because he was like my that. favorite all time player, he wouldn't have done it. Like it's not no shame <laughs> in what he would have done. But like look at what, like Adrian Peterson came like. You know, agonizing close to breaking Eric Dickerson's all-time record. You know, that's like the story of my sports fandom. Like, I can never have nice things. But uh, I don't think I don't know that he would have done it. It was just amazing to watch what he was doing that year. Was something that I we haven't seen since then. Like it was literally like every day I would run down to the mailbox and get the newspaper. Yeah, because you're a kid. Not only is it yeah. West Coast games, you're yeah. a kid that didn't have cable TV. Exactly, and so. I'm looking at games from two days prior, and every game he had, he went three for four, or he went two for five, or he went four for four. Right. I mean, so you weren't you weren't watching sports there like the rest of. I us. never got to yeah. see. I, I can count on one hand the number of times I ever saw him play um, on television, and most of them were All Star games. But anyway, like that was. I bet, I, I, I bet he would have finished at like three ninety eight or something. Right. Or something just short, exactly. Just a- a- agonizing, like short. like two at bats or something. Probably or two hits would have made the difference in seeing eye singles or something. Right. Um, in in the season, but or a strained hamstring you know, while he was at three ninety eight. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. You know, another thing that struck me about this story that I couldn't believe. I thought it was ter- This was a terrible thing, and I believe I have it right. I couldn't believe the organization that did this. So apparently the the game the last game is played before their strike is going to start and the St. Louis Cardinals were on the road somewhere and the St. Louis Cardinals had their jet take off with just uh, management and brass and I think maybe the managers went too and the players were left. They had so the players had to scrounge and find flights home back to St. Louis from wherever the hell they were. 
because they were you know digging in. Matt, the owners ownership was just saying no, sorry, like well, this is a battle. We're digging in, and they didn't fly him home. So like stories like that were pretty great. Another story was that Don Mattingly was in the, at the end of his career and he was dealing with back problems, and so like the Yankees were playing a home game on that last day. And the fans had no idea if he was like going to be done for good. Like if this, if they were seeing the last at bat of Donnie Baseball's career in New York. And, and the Yankees weren't very good. And they weren't in, in the right. late, and for much of the mid to late eighties right. and early nineties. I mean, this is just before uh, Jeter got called up, Rivera got called up, and the Yankees exactly. dynasty uh, really. Began. Yeah, and he ended up coming back. Bur- Bernie Williams, right. right? He came back and actually played one last year in '95, and they didn't make the playoffs. Um, or maybe they did. And I believe, uh, yeah, I, I think I read as far as Mattingly goes, he he never made the postseason. He never, okay, so they they did not make it so, in '95, right? That was his last year. Yep, yep. And so so, anyway. so yeah, they, they they were in first place, leading the Orioles by around six, six and a half, something like that. And so. Yeah, Donnie Baseball doesn't play in the playoffs. Yeah, because they had Winfield and Mattingly. and uh, I think Winfield like, was no longer on that team. Okay. But, like, the Yankees in the 80s were like Willie Randolph. And yeah. yeah it was the, but the, the not nearly the players that they're, they're known for now. Exactly. So. Like you said, like that core of guys that was coming up, like, right after – Right, you know, right, the strike right, ended. Right, and then they in '96, what I think was their first yeah. title, and that started. The, yeah, right the, after the, Don Mattingly uh, retired. The, 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 the right. So, Matt, his his timing. I think he should be a Hall of Famer. I mean, uh, his numbers. I think I think merited. So I'd have to look closer. I mean, I know he had injury history near the end of his uh, career that just kind of knocked him down, and and he. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if he quite had. The yeah, he doesn't have. The, he doesn't have the magic numbers. Yeah. Um, but if you look at his career. Um, of, of all the guys that aren't in that should be in, uh, he'd he'd be at the top of my list. He was so. like a, he at least won one MVP, right? Um, let me see. I'm not I'm not sure about that. I know that that '85 season, uh, boy, he was. Uh, I think he had 35 somewhere around 35 and 125. Uh, yeah, bat at 330 somewhere thereabouts. Uh, he if if he did win one, he, it would have been that year, 1985. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Right. All right, it's time for Greg's uh, bad book oh, of the week. Oh, you got one? Yeah. And right. uh, we, we, we alluded to this last week. It very easily could have been the bad look of the week last week. But then Chris Davis and uh, Brandon Hyde um, <laughs> got got in a scrap in the dugout, and that became my bad look of the week. Chris Davis having his horrible season fighting pup, in public in plain sight with, with, with the manager. So, but um, Antonio Brown, uh, he he – showed up at training camp in a hot air balloon and Antonio Brown has the cachet in the game to show up at training camp in a hot air balloon. But, (laughs) but you can't show up at hot air. You can't show up at training camp in a hot air balloon. If your feet are frostbitten because you failed to wear the proper shoes for some, in some cryogenic chamber. And you can't show up in a hot air balloon. If you're not going to play, uh, with the with that new helmets that are that are in the game now, it's just this, <laughs> and, and now some chef is suing him for forty grand because he he hasn't paid him for this Pro Bowl party that Antonio Brown had catered for like fifty Pro Bowl teammates down in Miami uh, a, a season or two ago. So like Antonio Brown, he, he threatened to retire. It's like this guy hasn't played it down yet for the Raiders. Like. None of this is earth shattering. It's not. It's not going to. They're getting end, what they signed the up. World. They're getting what they signed up but for. This is what we call a bad look. And Antonio Brown. <laughs> He's no stranger it, to those. He was about to be Greg's bad look of the week last week, but then Chris Davis 
shoved him aside. I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm but, of the mind that and I told you this. This was all calculated to me, not the not the feet, yeah, I, not I, the feet. I, I've heard I've heard this uh, circulated. Go ahead. Now I don't think he obviously didn't on purpose get get frostbite because he screwed up, but wearing his wearing the wrong footwear or whatever, and in this cryogenic chamber. I can't believe we're talking about something like that. But anyway, like the helmet thing, like. He knew he knew that he was going to have to give up that helmet. I just think he made a big deal out of it so he could sit out of training camp. I really do. Well, he did report to the team, so he's back with the team. He so reported not, to the team yeah. uh, on Tuesday of this week, so he's back with the team and, and he's trying to put all this behind him. But like all of this was like self-inflicted and unnecessary and just r- frankly ridiculous. It is, especially when you're saying like I'm going to retire if you don't let me wear this helmet. Give me a break. Like, I mean, he, I guess he, maybe he's done well at managing his money and he could just kind of step away, but that's a real right. rarity these days. Um, in terms of, in terms of these professional athletes managing money. I don't know. He can't pay the chef. I mean, that's true. What, what are we deal? saying here? Yeah. I'm not sure. Just stiff yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Does Antonio Brown have 40 grand <laughs> to, to, to pay he's, off this chef? He or, or, Adrian Peterson yeah. for a loan. <laughs> <laughs> or is he, or is he blown it all? Like I'm telling you, like Floyd Mayweather's going to need a loan one day. You keep and, saying that. Yeah. But and, cause just because of the way he spends and, yeah. and, and these guys are such knuckleheads with their money. They'd be better off putting it in a shoebox and like sitting on they the shoebox all day they would instead of putting it in the bank and letting it collect <laughs> interest or or making a wise investment so um and it, it was, there was a funny scene in hard knocks like antonio brown has his kids on the field or whatever and the kids are like where's roethlisberger um and antonio, <laughs> and, and, and antonio brown <laughs> has to explain to him that, no, I'm not on the Steelers anymore. Was well, this uh, last night's episode? This was the first episode. Oh, okay. Like, they show his, he's walking on. His kids are, for some reason, his kids are on the field. Like, why he has his kids, like, on the field, like, while this practice yeah. is going on is a, another question. But Also but interesting that his kids, how old are they? They don't know where they are. They don't know, like, they're right. not in Pittsburgh anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're young. They're young kids. Okay. They're probably six or younger. okay all right well they probably don't but they're like where's roethlisberger and he has to explain to the kids no he doesn't play for the steelers anymore and like the new quarterback over there is Derek carr but like but you have to wonder like Derek carr's not nearly as good as big ben is so yeah. it's like so is antonio brown going to put up the same numbers with Derek carr I, so I, yeah i really don't think so 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 it made me think like by mid-season is antonio brown going to be wondering like where where's roethlisberger oh he will this is this is not this is not the end of it you know with him this is not the end of it he there are going to be incidents one after another and also uh, beware greg there will be many incidents with your boy o- odell beckham like he's going to he's going to cause problems but, but somehow but but he he might I, I i won't say you're wrong about that but um but the fact that he's with baker mayfield who yeah who should be an ascending uh quarterback talent that, yeah. i think that's going to help because i think they're going to they, i mean they should win a bunch of games i think i think you're happy yeah but, I think but you fantasy players ought to be beware of antonio brown's numbers a little bit because you're absolutely right about Derek carr he's not ben roethlisberger um john gruden is certainly not uh, as as great an offensive mind as he once was considered. Um, there are lots of questions with that team, and, and there's I just have a hard time believing Antonio Brown's going to get 120 catches or something this I year. Think for, more so for the Raiders. It's uh, I mean I I don't think Derek Carr's a bad quarterback. It's okay. You know he doesn't have uh, Juju Smith uh, Schuster yeah, exactly. and so, some of these other receivers that are going to you know take some of the pressure off of him. Now yeah. I know I know I realize he's 
been double teamed throughout the years, many time, you know, regardless. But uh, he, he just, you know, that, that Raiders offense does not have. Yeah, who are the other playmakers? Nearly, nearly the, you know, the firepower that the, that the Steelers have had uh, over the year. Yeah, over the years. I, I, I just found it funny because here at the start of training camp, Antonio Brown's kids are asking, where's Roethlisberger? <laughs> and by about week five, Antonio Brown's going to be asking uh, the, the the same thing. So, so let me, I, you watch Hard Knocks, right, Greg? Uh, I, I, I don't really know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I heard, I, I heard there was a lot of discussion today because they didn't – they had another episode last night and it did not delve into the Antonio Brown storyline very much. And I guess a lot of people were con- – uh, critiquing or criticizing HBO because they were like almost uh, you know bowing to the NFL and not going not going into that storyline because they didn't want to like basically get on the bad side of the NFL or something because that was a battle between a player and the league. So I don't know if I, I was curious if somebody had watched it, but you, you haven't seen it. Yeah, and and I do want to revisit last week's bad look with Chris Davis just for okay. a second. I shared this with Joe. There's this there's this YouTube site this guy john boy i don't i don't know if you've ever heard of him he does breakdowns of these various moments in sports and i, th- I think pop culture too and it's like a two or three minute commentary and he had one on the davis situation and i showed this to joe and there's this couple that's taking a picture like right at the dugout oh, rail really? but going on in the background is this fight so it, it's a hilarious it's a hilarious <laughs> clip where this couple's like yay we're, 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 <laughs> we're ta- at the o's we're, game we're at the o's game we're taking a picture right there's the dugout right right behind us and in, in the background of this picture i'll, I'll, I'll have to show it to you later davis and brandon perfect. lunging at brandon hyde so so, I, so I, the photo is probably going viral so, right? so I, I can only imagine what this couple's picture looks like and, and they didn't realize how significant their picture really yeah. was because they have this fight going on in the background yeah. so so that was another just uh, humorous moment I I, I found this mm-hmm. week. So sure, sure, there are millions of people just like this who, uh, in stadiums where they don't have the protective netting, are going to get you know conked in the head <laughs> with a ball because they're too busy taking uh, selfies with whatever is going on around them. I well, saw a hilarious a, a hilarious clip of something like that on an NBA sideline where like you know how close you can sit to action in the NBA well this this young girl was it was probably her mother she was sitting next to and she's leaning over to show her mother something on her phone and the, the old lady this woman it was not an old lady but she was an older lady you know takes her eyes off the court uh, you know to look down at the phone obviously and a ball is missed on the court and it literally it hits this woman straight in the face and it's like a super slow mo shot and you know don't take your eyes look you're sitting in the second row what the hell are you looking at a phone for? Come on, we've talked yeah. about this too. Yeah, yeah. But, but this is an issue for baseball, even though it's not their fault that people are not paying attention and looking at their phone. It is because it is. the ball has less drag now, so it's flying through the air, yeah. and, and someone's going to get – they have to put this netting up. Otherwise, someone's going to get killed by a screaming sure. line drive. And it's probably so, going to be a kid because, right. uh, you know, taking the impact of – like what happened in hockey, right? Some kid died after getting hit in the head with a hockey right. puck so, so years base, ago. So, so baseball has to protect their inattentive in fans uh, w- yeah. w- w- with, with this netting. So, yeah. I mean, the, the White Sox, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they took the step to go – all the way to the foul poles. Mm-hmm. So I, I foresee that happening pretty yep. much at, at every stadium yeah, we've across about the this. country. Yeah, it should. The, the, the ball is traveling uh, it, too quickly. You know, and it's worth, 
it's worth noting. I mean, I don't. I can't remember if the same ball is being used in Class A, like at the Keys games. I know you said it is in at AAA. AAA, because yep. you, you talked about the incredible numbers of home runs. Two thousand more home runs. Than that the that is insane year. to me. But anyway, I'm saying like you best be paying attention if you go to a Keys game and you sit anywhere near the dugout yeah. or anywhere. Like I'm serious. I I've, I have. A, I mean, I have a number. Of, I know a number of people that. With young kids, they won't they That's won't sit anywhere yeah. except behind the net at the keys. I've game. gotten our yeah. I've gotten our tickets here from the company over the years, and I've exchanged them for just bleacher seats because I won't take my son, you know, down that far. It's just too dangerous. They, they've extended the netting too, and, and they might extend it farther. But but yeah, I mean, uh, this baseball it's not just not just the home runs. It's just the ball sailing into the yeah. stands are coming at an incredible rate of speed, and it's going to get someone killed if if, if they're not careful. Yep. So. All right, uh, who are we throwing on the boat this week? You guys got any candidates? Man, I couldn't really come up with any good ones, although the scenario that is uh, that is getting my attention or has gotten my attention over the last two days is the Golden Tate situation. Yeah. Where he's, he's been suspended by the NFL for four weeks, for four games uh, to start the season because he used uh, – he tested positive for what is considered a performance-enhancing drug – and he swears uh, that he's taking, I guess it's Clomid, which is actually the name of the drug, because for fertility purposes, he, was, he and his wife were trying to conceive. And that's why he took the drug. Now, the doctor apparently told him that it was not a banned substance. Golden Tate did not go then and check with the NFL to make sure he just took it. And then, um, you know, he failed the drug test. The NFL suspended him. He appealed it. And they said, no, sorry, you're suspended. I got a problem with somebody. I don't know who it is. It's probably it's probably not Golden Tate. I don't think I want to throw him on the boat. Maybe it's somebody in the NFL front office, whoever these people that do these, uh, judge these appeals or whatever. Like, come on. The guy's taking the drug for legitimate reasons uh, with his wife so they could have a child and have some forgiveness here. I mean, he wasn't. Obviously, it does boost testosterone, so I don't want to, like, scoff at that. But, like, come on. I mean, if he's not – I mean, test him again. You know what I mean? If he's not on it now. Because I think this was a while ago. They they conceived their child. They've had their child, their second child. So test him again. If he's not on it now, like, let it go. Like, what's the big deal here? I don't understand why the NFL has to be so such a stickler for – these sorts of things. I mean, it should be a case-by-case basis, for, in, in my estimation, when it comes to these these situations. You know, meanwhile, so this guy's this guy's going to miss four games to start the season. Meanwhile, who you know, Tyreek Hill's not suspended. You know, some of the decisions that they make with suspensions in the NFL are just ridiculous. Oh, yeah, these guys are getting hammered for marijuana use, too. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, so that's this. I don't even know who I want to throw in the boat if I do really, but I, I did want to mention that that storyline because it just bothers yeah, me. The, the punishments are out of whack. Like yeah. mar- marijuana is legal in a number of states, and and, and and like the Browns just lost their second year receiver Antonio Callaway for four games because sure. he got busted for pot. If he gets caught one more time, he'll be indefinitely suspended. Exactly. So could that be a season or, or who knows? But, the, the 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 punishment, especially for marijuana, is, is, yeah. is way. Well, look out at what's, well, look at what's so. happening to Josh Gordon. Right. Yeah. You he's, know? he's lost mean, his, his career. Is lost because he's likes to smoke smoke pot. It's probably sixty to seventy percent of the NFL yeah. smokes pot. So. Yeah. So I got, I just have a real problem with with this because of because I know that that's what that's what Golden Tate was taking it for. He wasn't taking it so he could boost his. You know, a doctor prescribed it for him. Um, I mean, I guess we don't know for certain that he wasn't taking it to boost his testosterone, but. Anyway, I got yeah. I, that. Just bothers me. Well, I think he would have done it seven or eight years ago if uh, yeah. if he wanted to do that. Yeah, exactly. uh, Joe. 
Well, I mean, well, you brought him up uh, earlier, Antonio Brown. He's, mean, he's been on, are you firing him into the black hole? <laughs> yeah. I get, I get, he, he might be in the black hole. Well, he's in, you know he's you in know, Oakland. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. He's in Oakland. He's already I'm in the black it. hole, so to speak. <laughs> because, right? No, it's just a situation where, you know, someone who's constantly in in the headlines. You see, you see his name. And I read the story about the chef. Oh, he's in another one. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. Okay, go away. Yeah, go away. I don't want to hear about you anymore. I mean, Brett Favre, and you know when he uh, all, all the days in his final years. You know, is he or is he not going to play? Always in the headlines. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm tired of reading about you. Go away. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. That's it. You got anybody, Greg? I am throwing the Orioles pitching staff on the boat. Nice. It's like stop throwing to Glaber Torres, who yep. has what. 14 home runs against you this season, like the second most all-time against a single team. And it's like, how can you – the Yankees hit like eight home runs every time they play the Orioles. It's like, how, like pitch better. Like, <laughs> like, like, like how could you Great. be uh, – They can't. They li- yeah. like literally like two of those well, guys that, belong in the major well, leagues. Well, that, that, that you, you said it right there. They, they, they just can't, they just they, can't pitch better. I'll, I'll give Brandon Hyde credit. I think at the end of the doubleheader, he came up in the eighth inning and uh, – Game was well in hand. He, he issued uh, yeah. an intentional walk, and he said, you know what, it's getting to the point where I've had enough. But eh, may have done that a you little know, bit too late. The O's have some T-shirts, I think. Some of their play- one of their players was seen wearing it and said, uh, let Stevie pitch because Steve Wilkerson came in that one game. And, yeah. and like, just – you know what? Just let Steve Wilkerson pitch a couple of games. Like, I don't care at this point. Like, they are literally, like, hilariously horrible. Like, they really are. This has, like, gotten to the point where – it is fu- like it's funny to watch to me. Like they are that bad. Well, especially against the Yankees. Like they're not this bad against most other teams. Yeah. Well, they gave up twenty three runs to the Astros on Saturday. So you were present for that one, weren't you? Uh, Friday. You were there Friday. I was, I was there Friday uh, to catch up with our boy Brandon Klein. And then uh, Saturday's game was the one where they got absolutely annihilated. And then they actually won on Sunday against the Astros on a walk-off. How, how many home runs does Glaber Torres have this season, 13. Joe? Against oh. uh, against the Yankees, uh, I believe it's 13. Because uh, actually I was talking well, ha- to Josh ha- about this. Uh, ha- how many it's total? Half. How it's many? half of the of, of his total number. Yeah. So, so 13 of his 26. I, I've never ever you know come across a player who you know who's had that many home runs. You know, uh, we're not talking about you know two of four or four of eight. This is thirteen of twenty six. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's the second most all time against a single team uh, uh, for for an individual player. It's like at what point do you just not pitch to the guy or intentionally walk him or just anything? If finally, they did. That, that would be better than better than a, than a home run. Greg, so. I wanted to I wanted to ask you about the why not night. Did you uh, were you going to talk about that by chance? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to mention it. Okay. So um, I was I, I was. Disappointed. I was on vacation. I was in the Outer Bank, so I wasn't able to go. And you were sending me photos, and I was yeah. I, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't on vacation. The impressive yet, thing was that most of the guys from that Why Not team uh, uh, were, were were there. I mean, you had Joe Orsalak there. You had Pete Harnish uh, was there. Uh, Ripken obviously uh, uh, was there. Devereaux was there, and he still looks pretty much the same as he as he, as he always did. So. The impressive thing is just about all the living members from that Why yeah, Not man. Orioles team were, were in attendance. And it was just a nice thing before the game. They asked them about their memories. It was it was all standard stuff. Nothing nothing really like wow. But um, yeah. But just the fact that they were all there, most of them looked like they were in decent health. So. What was the crowd like? 
Uh, they had 30,000, I think. Okay. Uh, Most of them. A, a, lot, a lot of them were Astros fans. But, um, I was going to say probably about 25,000 of them left after they – or 20,000 of them left after they got their free T-shirts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and after the ceremony because that's what I would have done. Well, and the cool thing to do is the Astros were wearing their – the Orioles were sort of wearing a throwback uniform, but so were the Astros. That's cool. they, they were wearing their rainbow sleeve, nice. uh, old uh, old uniforms. So. Um, so it was cool. The other thing I was going to say for Senior to be seen was on Sunday the Indians pulled out a win – over the Twins with an incredible uh, defensive relay. Uh, the ball hit off the wall. It was a barehanded scoop by Tyler Naquin in, in right field who relayed it to uh, Francisco Lindor, who then made a great throw to the plate to keep the game tied and send it to extra innings. Fundamentals, uh, baby. The, the game went to extra innings, and then Carlos Santana won it with a grand slam uh, to help the Indians take 3 out of 4 in a big series. And then the following night against the Red Sox, Santana won on, with another walk-off home run. So my my uh, scene was just nice. Carlos Santana's two big uh, home runs uh, in, in those games to help my team, uh, uh, the Indians, this week. So, Joe, did you have one? I've got a, a, a two-be scene uh, this coming Sunday, uh, Pirates versus Cubs in Williamsport for the Little League Classic. Oh, Classics. cool. Yeah, that's so, always fun. Um, I, you know, I, I always enjoy seeing it because it's in – you know, uh, historic Bowman Field, which is uh, what a class A uh, park that's been around since the 1920s, and so you know its uh, capacity is only about 2,500, and you know it's not fans; it's just uh, you know players who are going to be playing in the Little League World Series, uh, their families, coaches, and other other youth players from around from around the area. So just 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 seeing that kind of environment where. It just feels like just normal baseball. I mean, the, you know, they have um, special uniforms that sort of <laughs> make these big leaguers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, appear as if they were, you know, little league uh, players. So it just uh, you know, uh, it has uh, that nice, uh, you know, down to earth type of feel. Are they going to move the fences in and make the bases put sixty feet between the bases <laughs> too? That'd be cool. That that would be awesome. But no, no, it's probably, probably uh, a few, a few home regu- runs in that game. Yeah, re- regulation. Uh, dimensions in the in the outfield too yeah so uh josh uh yeah i got a couple of things one that just popped in my head i wanted to mention before i forgot it did you guys see any of the stuff that simone biles was doing over the weekend at this the I, world championship i saw the headlines but i'm so not in the gymnastics I, that yeah, I, wasn't I understand much attention she i mean it's like every time she steps on the floor she does something that's never been done uh and she did apparently she did she, she did two moves that had never been uh, completed in like an international competition or something like that. I, I might be getting some of my facts wrong here, but uh, that's besides the point. What I saw was uh, something on Twitter. Somebody did like a, I guess she did something on the floor exercise, and somebody did a slow mo, a super slow mo of her doing this uh, series of flips, and it was just stunning because it almost looked like <laughs> it almost looked like she got to her peak in the jump in super slow motion. And she was like, she stayed like, it's almost like she levitate levitated at that peak height for like, you know, like several seconds. I, I have no idea how she, she would do something like that, but uh, you know, she, she can, she can stay in the air a long time. She's like a one of a kind explosive athlete. Um, and it's really neat to see something like that in super duper slow motion. Um, so that's on Twitter. If you want to try to find that. Another thing I, I started reading a book that's really pretty fascinating. I picked it up right in the out. Right the first day of vacation, we went to the Outer Banks. We stopped at a bookstore. Believe it or not, like they still exist. And what, uh, Barnes and Noble, or no, it's a little tiny local bookstore in um, 
in Corolla, which well, is where your, we stayed. Your wife needed some reading she material did. for the beach. She, of course, she did. She, my wife read three books in our week down there. She read, I don't know if you guys know, if you heard of the book, it was made into a movie called Gone Girl. Okay, it's a book first, and it was like this thick. I'm holding my fingers like yeah, I, three I, I, inches your, your, apart. Your wife's ability to read these books blows me away. She, read, she read the book in two days, the entire book. Because somebody else wanted to read it there. Or no, she, and then she, before, before that, she read another book, and she, like, flew through that because one of the people we were staying with, she wanted to read it as well. So Jessica finished that really quickly. But anyway, went to this bookstore. Yeah, the fact that she reads it for understanding, too, I just yeah. can't comprehend. Went to this bookstore. I got a book by John Wertheim, and I'd never even heard of this one. It's called Your Brain. This is Your Brain on Sports. And he wrote this in, I think it was 2014, and he wrote it in conjunction with a psychologist friend of his. And it just studies all of these fascinating little facets of fascinating facets of sports um he and he, and he breaks them down and uh and in, in psychological terms and they talk to lots of psychologists and they did they cite lots of studies and i don't even i can't even give you an example of it but you know it's just it's great writing it's outside of the box thinking um and it gets into it, there's lots of really good examples that are given of current day uh events that we would all remember uh, like I guess they broke down the the Richard Sherman uh, rant when he talked to um, Aaron Andrews and talked about why yeah. you know that sort of stuff w- happens. Wertheim, his real wheelhouse is just explaining things yeah. that are difficult to explain. Exactly, and and this is precisely what he does in this book. It's not a really long book, but I just started reading it, reading it, and it's and it's fantastic. Yeah. And before we go, we need to say congratulations to one Jessica Smith for uh, landing uh, her yeah. principalship finally. You're here. So. Yeah. She got a, got a, got a job, got a, a new job as a principal, and just found out today. So she was uh, over the moon. So yeah, I'm very oh, proud of her. So so where where is she working now? She's uh, she's at a school that she was at um, two years ago, and she's very familiar with it. And it'll be uh, it'll be a good fit. So, so now you'll be living large uh, off off her new salary, right? She makes she brings home the bacon. Yeah, I'm, I always I always tell her I'm the I'm the man behind the woman. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Oh, well said. And congratulations, Jessica. And uh, all right, Joe, thank you. Josh, uh, glad you're back. And uh, we'll see everyone next week here on Just Another Sports Podcast.